Enjoy the Two True Freaks Internet Radio Broadcast. The Vault of Startling Monster Horror Tales of Terror. <laughs> Hello, my fellow sweet teeth. Well, the old horror host seems to have gotten himself in a little pickle here. Thought he had his little candy man problem under control. But apparently... I got stung by too many bees and now I'm bloated up like a big balloon and I can't move. <sighs> but at least I have all this candy to eat. Ah, wow! Another razor blade. Wow. Enjoy the movie. It's more Candyman from 2021. and welcome to the Vault of Starling Monster Horror Tales of Terror. I am one of your hosts, Mr. Jason Giaconetti, and I am joined by my uh, co-host, uh, Mr. Chris Hero. Chris I don't want to die tonight, at least not until we fuck. <laughs> uh, two True Freaks OG himself, Mr. Chris Honeywell. My board members are just buzzing about McCoy's work. <laughs> and uh, rounding out our quartet is my brother, Mr. Luke Giaconetti. This neighborhood is haunted. <laughs> you went with the line. Okay, my line one. My line was this: "Ain't a dick on this planet good enough for offset demonology hobby." <laughs> yep. My my alternate was black people don't need to be summoning shit. They need to be yeah, summoning shit. My alternate also. But uh, uh, if you can't tell what we're, we're talking about here, um, well, what the hell's wrong with you? So, uh, no, we are talking about Candyman 2021. Um, we Last time out, you heard us speak about Candyman 1994, the original Candyman, uh, starring Tony Todd, 22, excuse me, starring Tony Todd and Virginia Madsen. Um, and now we are here to talk about what uh, the what many people thought was a remake, but were wrong. It's a legacy sequel. Oh, yeah. And I'm just going to say it flat out. Basically says that two and three don't exist. It's okay. Yeah. If you've you seen. Like and, and, yeah, this, yeah. Well, three's kind of the money grab. Well, I mean, you know, Jordan Peeling is not going to break into your house and steal your Blu-rays of uh, Farewell to the Flesh and, and Day of the Dead. 
which I have all of. I have those yeah, all on Blu-ray, and they're all on the book say, together. You know, yeah. he, he, he's, he's a live-and-let-live type of cat, apparently. So. Yeah. Yep. Um, well, a lot of people, I think, uh, were under the, uh, cons- um, the misconception uh, that this was just going to be a remake. And because we've had how many remakes of every single movie ever, um, you know, even movies that didn't need remakes, most of them t- tend not to. Uh, but what happened was a lot of people thought, so this was a remake of the Candyman story. Uh, it's going to be the same thing. And when you start watching this movie, uh, you realize pretty quickly, huh, well, this is kind of different. This isn't really taking the same path I thought it would take. And then the movie gets about half an hour and you're like, oh, my God, this is straight up a sequel. Oh, and yeah. then the whole rest of the sequel unfolds and you're like, holy shit. Oh, this is a real fucking sequel. <laughs> yeah. I think holy so, shit was my comment about th- well, uh, two thirds of the way through the movie when, uh, when I was uh, talking on the DMs. Okay, yep. so I'm going to say this now. So this 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 way that there, no one can get I me. Mean, again, we know we spur and spoil everything. If you have not seen the original Candyman, and you watch this, You'll, you won't understand half of it. No, you have to yeah. go with Candyman, and then watch the new Candyman. Because if you don't, you might be able to piece together a little bit of it, but you will not understand what the movie's talking about. That I think be very very honest because i saw a lot of negative reviews about this movie of people saying i don't understand i don't get this what about those are people who didn't bother watching the original to watch the sequel like i'm sorry like i get it i get it okay fine maybe maybe you could not you could you know not have seen friday the 13th part six and understand friday the 13th part seven but that's not the kind of series we're talking about here this is actually intelligent well-made movies, and I love Friday the Thirteenth movies. Well, I got Jason Voorhees in, in, in the in the in now in in the interest of fairness, okay. And if anyone anyone who listened to our previous episode knows, I'm a huge mark for the original Candyman. It's one of my favorite horror films of my lifetime. It always has been since the first time I saw it. Again, um, you know, people call me out for that online. I'm cool with that. I've been called out for worse. You know, I mean, I'm a Mets fan for crying out loud, but. Um, <laughs> The thing about this movie, it was not marketed as a sequel. So it, I mean, I'll be honest with you. When I first started, excuse me, seeing the advertising for this film, the TV commercials and such, it said Jordan Peele, Candyman. It's like, okay, I assumed it was a remake. It wasn't until I read a little bit about it that says, no, this is not, it's not a remake. They, nothing I came, nothing I read came right out and said, it's like, oh, this is a sequel to the original film. It just said, it's not a remake, which to me, it says, okay, Maybe it's one of these things where it's not invalidating the other ones, but it's telling its own story. It's like, okay, maybe it's one of those. Maybe it's one of those, you know, kind of just, you know, alternate perspective type of things. So, you know, when I first watched this, and Jay and I watched this together the first time I saw it, it blew my friggin' mind. You know, as soon as it starts up and we're talking about, you know, uh, there's this crazy white girl in the hood. She she decapitated a, a dog and she kidnapped a baby. I'm like, wait, what? Wait, yep. <laughs> you, know, <laughs> you know, it's like, hold on. It's like, pump the brakes here. You know, what are we doing? This, this, this that's, that's, I'm like, and, and, and of course in my head, I'm like, well, that's wrong. It's like, they're telling it, but it's wrong. And then that, of course, becomes the that's... one of the major themes of this film, right? Yep. And, and that, so that, that, but now watching it again for the show, I said this in the group chat. It's like, I really enjoyed this film both times I watched it. I still think there's stuff I'm unpacking about this. Mm-hmm. That there's mm-hmm. there's aspects to the theme 
that I can, I can just sort of grasp, but I'm not sure I'm really 100% on them. And it's not because they're not well executed. It's because there's a lot of levels. It's, to this. A lot yeah, of it's just chock-a-block with, uh, here's a, you, you want thematic horror? Here you go. <coughs> just just dump it all in. And honestly, I wouldn't expect anything less from something that, that Jordan Peele's got his hand in. See, I know? didn't even know he was. I, I had I didn't either experience as I did with the first movie when we watched it for the show, when I watched it for the show, of where I thought Candyman was just a, a solid low budget. I did not know it had the pet, like Clive Barker. I didn't know it had, you know, Philip Glass doing the soundtrack. And this one, I'm watching it and I'm like, oh, it's kind of witty that they do a, like all the like producers credits yes. and, and everything is backwards at the yeah. at the beginning. And at first I thought, Oh, maybe this is like somebody trying to avoid like copyright on my download or something. <laughs> then I'm like, oh no, I get it. Yeah, get it. And then when it goes into the opening, just the opening shots, and it is, I it it tells you exactly what the movie is right there. This is the mirror image of the original movie. This is right. the original movie was like made by it was all like you know starring. And except, you know, uh, white people, like white British people, you know, this story set in Cabrini Green. And, but it, but like wisely, they didn't try to like tell the black perspective of it because what does Clive Barker know about that, you know? And the story was better for it. This one, like instead of a shot down during daytime of the car, the shot is from the car up Looking into the up. sky at and night. Right disconcerting yeah. as hell as hell and 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 that and then i see jordan peele's name come up and i go holy shit yeah holy I, shit I, jay I, jay kept that one under his belt or, yeah and, and, I, I i i popped a little chub too i threw it on and i you know jay had said good things about it and i was just like mm -hmm. oh oh shit okay and then I, I turned off the lights and i locked myself in for the next 90 minutes and i yeah. saw he's so, producing i'm like that could go either way and then i saw his name in the script and i'm like okay now we're we're cooking with gas and boy oh boy were we cooking with gas because it it's very much candy it has very like very similar themes you know sort of like the main characters are sort of in this like um very privileged place and they're sort of in a snooty world of you know art art sort of academia <laughs> this time and uh it's just it's it's just brilliant and it's an hour and a half long and yes. it's three perfect half hour acts that keep building like the, the you know the setup at the beginning and then a half hour in you're like whoa what's going on the complication on? and then, then another the, half and then hour the, in and it then the third crazy yeah, and then yeah. it flips everything around for the third act and it, it it gets in it tells all its story in an hour and a half oh it, it just i uh, basically, uh, and I'm watching it. I'm like, oh my god, this might as well just be called "Fuck Around and Find Out 2. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, uh, real quick, let me just say this real quick. Um, originally, uh, Jordan Peele uh, had been uh, kind of tapped to not only write as be part of the write. He was him and 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 the rest of the corvus are writers, but he was going to write and direct. Um, and, and, and along with produce, obviously, because he produces all his own movies, too. 
Um, but then he said, well, you know, I don't know about, I think I just kind of want to focus on the writing and the whatever. And he, he actually uh, brought in uh, Nia DaCosta, who is an African-American uh, woman, to direct this. And he felt that she might have, um, well, obviously, he, it's, it's based on Clive Barker's work, but Clive Barker's actually not involved in this at all. This is this is the first Candyman movie at all that did not have Clive Barker. I'd love to hear what he, what he has to say about it because I think Oops. they like really like kept oh, to his it. original idea. You well, know? that's what struck me too. I said, okay, this is a new modern Hollywood movie, and Jordan anything Jordan Peele puts his hands on, even if I like don't love it, it's gonna look great. I was surprised that they managed to make this both slick. And feel super fucking grimy at the same time. Yeah, I was so here. There's real well, quick. Well, impending doom, yeah. in the, just like the last one. So in the, in the first movie, they went to Cabrini Greens and actually filmed in the neighborhoods. Right, we know they did that back in '92. The yeah. problem is the high rises are gone; they've been demolished, but the but the row houses still exist. Though so that's Cabrini Greens. There is no let's make Cabrini Greens or what's left of Cabrini Greens. They filmed on location. So what it looks like, because we were watching it the other day. My wife was watching someone. She goes, I'm like, oh, I go, well, that's Cabrini Green. And she goes, okay. I go, and I said to her, I said, remember the original, the, the high, she goes, yeah. I go, that's all that's left. And she goes, oh, that's why it looks so real. I said, a hundred percent. This yeah. is authentic. And that's one of the, one of the main things that Jordan Peele, and that's why Nia DaCosta, I mean, whatever, whatever people, I mean, she is a new director who also is the first African American woman to have her movie open number one? Uh, she, you know, they actually they actually uh, knocked Free Guy out of the number one spots. I think it had been number one for week after week and week, and they finally when it came out, knocked him out of there. She's she wanted to make this, you know, go and do as real as she could, because besides watching uh, the movie together, Luke and I watched the movie. Together, we actually watched the. Um, the on Shutter they have a the thing about each of the like there's one about Freddie about Jason about, and we watched the one about Candyman and they finally got to the end of it and they talked about the new Candyman and Nia, uh, um, Nia DaCosta was talking about how she wanted to make sure that she told this the, the, the this story from the other aspect of it it's no longer about Virginia Madison's character coming in and her you know being pulled into the this world of you know of basically hell she's getting pulled into there it now it's what happens later like what happens to the baby what happens to like it's all this the what happens now and that Candyman itself well 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 we, we you know everyone kind of says well Candyman they think of Tony Todd Candyman is so much more than just the physical incarnation that Tony Todd plays in the movie yeah. Uh, Kind of thing that Candyman has existed over and over and over again, and that the 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 fear of Candyman is so important to the community, and the story so important. That's what I, I, I watched this three times now. I watched it the first time, and then I said, "Luke, you got to watch this." We watched it together, and then I watched it again the other day. Every time I watch this film, I get more out of it because now I'm not just trying to take it all in. Now I'm looking for the other stuff that I didn't get the first time. And yeah. it's the little pieces here and there. Like Luke said, you are still unpacking this movie. Second, third. And then I'm going to watch it. Kelly had said she went out. Kelly's like, well, I want to watch it all the way through. So we're going to have to watch Candyman first and then watch this one. Right? But like, 
once that you're doing that fourth time through, it's that unpacking of what's there. There's so much. There's so much. There's so much in in just the 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 the, the puppets that they're using. Oh the, yeah, the, yeah. That's based on an actual artist who does that uh, to tell stories of racism and 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 uh, you know throughout history. Like me, there's all me, these. Let me. Yeah, so, let me let me speak on the on the shadow puppets for for a sure. moment. Now, they, I mean, they wanted originally DaCosta wanted to do like traditional flashbacks, and she found that artist. And I don't have the name here in the notes, and thought that that would be a way to do it that would not only be visually very interesting to the audience and tell it without it becoming gruesome, right? To turn off the audience at the same time, it it also it it creates one of the themes of this film that I really like. And it's a, it's a, uh, it, it is a theme that goes back to the original, but it is expounded upon here. Okay. And, and it all, it, it serves two purposes. So one of the themes of this film is that you have uh, black victims of violence who become monsters, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. So Daniel Robitaille, Sherman, Anthony, you know, uh, you know, young Anthony, uh, in the credits, we see like James Byrd, uh, George, these are all actual uh, men that were killed for for racial uh, reasons that were unjustly murdered, and ha- you know all these things that they're they've now become the monster, right? They become Candyman, right? And even though they were a victim, now they've become something horrific. Well, okay, that that's a very powerful theme, and we see that again in the first one. Robitaille is the victim, but now he's the heavy, right? Yeah. Okay. When you're watching this film, who's the first character we see depicted in one of those flashbacks? It's Helen. Yeah. Right? So Helen, a white woman, she is a victim and she's turned into a monster. Yeah. Right? So the so I've seen some criticism in this film. And it's like, well, it's just woke, you know? And it is. There's a lot of woke aspects to this. And I'm not going to get into the politics. But it plays both ways, doesn't it? Yeah. Because it's not just saying, look at all these black men that were horrifically murdered and we turned them into monsters well here's a white woman here's a privileged white woman who was an academic who was murdered and turned into a monster and not mm-hmm. just that she became an urban legend like at the end of Candyman. here even her memory has been turned her into a monster right yeah she's not the victim now she killed the dog she kidnapped a baby she was going to light the baby on fire and then amory says no that's that's wrong she, I was there. That's completely wrong, right? So I love that theme because that's what we do. That's what we do as, as a culture. You know, if, yeah. if someone is a victim and that's an inconvenient victim, we, we tear them down and make them not a victim anymore, right? But, yeah. I, but I love that it's not just as clear cut as that because then we get the right at the beginning, you know, when uh, Anthony and Brianna, they're having the dinner party and Troy is there with Grady. Uh, Troy being, you know, Brianna's uh, boyfriend or excuse me, brother, who I used the quote from at the top of the uh, the show here. OK. And they're talking about the gentrification and yep. how they tore it down and they attracted young people to come in here. And they said, hey, if you live here for a few years, we'll build you a Whole Foods. And Grady says, oh, you mean like this place? Yep. So, yes, they're against gentrification, but they're exploiting it. Right. Oh, Everyone yeah. in this movie is exploiting someone. Everyone's and, and, exploiting someone. Even our air quotes up to the mic heroes are exploiting other people. Yeah. And it, and it has this theme of this this young black couple that are very that are like very bougie and very wealthy and have their gentrified apartment where Cabrini Greens used 
used to be. And in the snap of a finger, all of a sudden, like she can be reduced down to, you know, the cops just going like, hey, look, we had to shoot him because he was, char-, you know, yeah. all the, you know, or, or you're going to jail for the rest of your life. And that's well, what, and like and she's well, sitting there she knows that's a reality. She's a you know, she's a wealthy, respected art dealer. But it's but it's even it goes even further back than that, because I'm watching her storyline play out. And it's this clearly something she's got history somewhere. And then by the time you unravel everything with that, when she has all those conversations with her brother, you find out, oh, shit, her father was an artist. She watched her father commit suicide. And now who did she hook up with? Another artist who is basically Basically like her dad. Yeah, it's just like it it just that is some of the realest shit out there, because I think we've all got people in our lives. that's like, yeah, you just kind of glommed on to the bad stuff in your life that made you who you are and you're just traveling along with it again yeah yeah we're all we're all you know all of us are sinners but each of us is prone to our own sins right Mm. you tell me about it (laughs) (laughs) the uh the artist we were talking about is uh kara walker um she is known for her silhouette cutouts depicting racism and violence um that was the shadow puppets are very very similar to her uh her work so that was Kara Walker. Just want to give her credit. Oh, yeah, uh, for sure. Yeah, sure. Yeah. No, but Hero, you're, you're absolutely right. I mean, past traumas are what this film's about, right? Yep. Everything in this is about someone's past trauma. You know, Anthony as a baby. And it's funny because if you, if you watch the original and then watch this one back to back, you know, you see Vanessa Williams' name in the credits. Yeah. And, yeah. Then, the, and then we meet Anthony like in the second scene. So you're like, yeah. wait a minute. You know, but put that, you know, put that aside. I know his name is Anthony, but it's like, okay, it's Anthony, but it's like, she does, she says it so weird. The way, with with Anthony, like the way she says, you don't think, I'll be honest with you. And think about it. It took me forever to pick up on that. I mean, I did get it. I probably got it about 30 seconds before the movie wanted me to, but I was like, oh, oh shit. Oh shit. Like, I'm just, it clicked in my head. And then she showed right. up, and it's like, God but, damn, she hasn't aged at all. <laughs> no, she hasn't. She's exactly the same. She looks great. <laughs> Vanessa Williams, we, we, we gave you a shout-out in the last one. We gave you a shout-out on this one. You're doing great. Love to see you in more stuff. But uh, Tony I'm, glad that, I'm, I'm, glad, I'm glad she was still you know, active and was able to come back for this, because that would not have had the impact if you no. had to cast her. You know? Yeah. Um, but, but, you know, Anthony, he had a trauma that he doesn't even remember. Because he was an infant when it happened, but he was involved in a trauma. You know, Brianna, like you said, hero, with her dad witnessing her dad committing suicide. You know, Burke, as a yeah. kid with with um, with Sherman. You and know, not even, he yeah, had a and, trauma. And then seeing his sister get killed because she did the the Candyman game. Right. You know, it's so, like it. Yeah. Oh my God! Everything. Yeah. It's just, it's just layers and layers and layers upon how much shit can some people fucking deal with and it's so about like... trauma never going away about the power of stories and and how stories adapt and pass on and heritage yeah. it's just the i mean the two quotes that i that stuck with me in it is uh they love what we make and not us and yep. i can't remember the context of it but i wrote what story is it <laughs> and i can't remember when somebody said that what why I wrote that down, but those two. I think Brianna says that when Anthony's going crazy in the studio, 
And he's like, no, you got to listen to me. You got to listen to me. And she goes, Candyman's not real. And she goes to say it in the mirror, the, the little shard of mirror, and he, he smashes the mirror. You know, it's, it's, it's an interesting change also because, you know, one of the things that in the original that Helen talks about is that, you know, it, this fear of Candyman. That that is how you know, and, and that that it's it's this attitude of like, oh, if something bad happened, the Candyman did it, right? Whereas by the end of this, you know, what what Burke's whole deal is, right, is he it's taking back of power, right, yeah. and it's and it's taking the story and the trauma and using it, yeah, right. As well, as certain people in this country have said, you never let a good uh, crisis go to waste, right? So well it, well, it ties back into the gang leader who was running around as Candyman right. during the original too. It's I'm going to use the name and I'm going to try to get what I want and keep people in line. It's you know, yeah. it's ugh. the the yeah the 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 way that the change here is that now it's taking taking it and now turning it into the the weapon, turning it into the tool to get vengeance for the injustice, right? Yeah, and now because it's like in it's the first one, Brianna, Brianna summons him in the back of the police car, yep. and she doesn't get killed. Everyone well, she else gets the cop to say it the last time, and then you're just like, "Oh, okay, I see what they're setting up oh, here." Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, but it's you know, and and it's the same idea again, like you said that it, hero and that uh, you know he uh, the original he, Candyman tells Helen that you know you you're you cause my my congregation to lose faith. And then what's the last thing we see here? Tell everyone. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so, real quick though, as uh, one of the things that uh, it's, and I didn't catch this, and and I and then I heard about it, and then so this time through I paid attention. Um, in the movie, uh, so Anthony McCoy, the, his full name, Anthony McCoy, is said exactly five times in the film. Oh shit! That's oh, a nice shit. detail. <laughs> that is, but think about that. That is so, like, n next layer of the onion. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, like, it's, yeah, it's, yeah. It's, it's like, I mean, they say Anthony, Anthony, but his name is said. Remember I'll bet you see a mirror th there, too. I'll bet you there's a mirror there, too. I'll bet well, you. What I'm yeah. saying is this. When he, when, they, when after the murder, when he's smiling, and they're all sitting, uh, uh, yeah. you know, they're sitting aghast. He goes, they, they said my name. Yeah. It's just cool they said my name. And it's like, Okay, like you just you can just oh my god, like it's just you, you don't even think about it, but when you go through his name is set. It's not him saying his name, it's not anyone yeah. else. It's the newspaper, it's the uh the, the the nurse, the like you know, it's like it's very simple of what it is, but it's like holy crap, really? Like Well it's also course. they won't say his name. They they, they they're not say they they won't say his name when he's just an artist, but when something terrible's going on around right. His art all of a sudden they yeah. say is yeah and and I said the, the the critic is more than happy to exploit his yep. notoriety and Her he's more is... than happy to exploit the fact that the the uh, the the art the art um, the 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 critic critic the gallery guy and his uh, you know we get it you like Joy Division girlfriend <laughs> you know intern slash girlfriend I did like okay I will say this this the original we made a comment has no comedy in it. That one little line did crack me up. Yeah. When she says, it's okay, I'm on an IUD, just shut up, you know? <laughs> uh, yeah. Those are real art world people, too. That, I know that really sounds that. like a Jordan Peele kind of joke, too, doesn't it? You know? Talking about well, the, well, the, you know, dialogue, the, the dialogue, the intern, and it's like, no, it's Jordan cool. Peele. What? Yeah. 
I, I think it, it... So Chris mentioned just briefly, he's sure there's a reflection somewhere every time Anthony's name gets said. The way that they actually use that thematic device, which isn't really used a ton in the original, there is reflection shit going on in this. Oh. Is And it's always, it's in the background, and it's that super creepy, did I just, was there something back there? Did it move? And just the way that they've structured every time that, you know, the the Anthony version of Candyman was around. It was just... I, the the, the I, scene where the art critic got killed oh, was like the best Hitchcockian scene f- since Brian De Palma. And a, I, like, yeah. you know, the movie isn't super stylized, but when it does do something stylish, it really I, does it well. And that scene is that pull-out... Do, like, do, do you know what I immediately thought of during that scene? I wasn't even thinking Hitchcock. I was thinking Exorcist 3. You know the scene. Yeah. Oh, Yeah. Just it's like you're not expecting that. Oh shit, that just happened. Right. Like, yeah. and and it's and the thing is, is that it's that scene is set up because we see that long shot of her apartment at the beginning of the scene. Yep. Right. When Anthony is going there, and then you get the great. I I like this one too. Anthony's going to the critic's uh, apartment. He's walking through the halls, and you hear just little snippets of noise from behind the doors, just yeah. like Helen walking through the tower at Cabrini Green. Yeah, the first one. and they also have the fluorescent riddle. lights buzzing every time he walks by, so it's just like it's making you think about the bees again too. It's just yeah. like there's there's just, just so I mean that's the thing. There's just everything is well constructed and well thought out. It's not nothing's done as a shortcut. Nothing's done well. Nope. We got to move this character from here to there. You know. You know why? Because it's not two and a half hours long like everybody yes. else would want to make it. Right. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> Everything, everything there is is needed, and everything there is everything's in its place at beginning, middle, end. Boom, boom, boom! It says everything, and it says a lot in an hour and a half, more than I'm, usually a two yeah. uh, two and a half uh, two and a half hour movie might say as much. But you have to like sit through two half hours of of slow parts, you know, yeah. that nobody wanted to cut out, and yeah, it, it was it, it, like you just don't. It, it, <clears throat> You mostly see writing like this on if in a Jordan Peele movie or on TV these days. <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, Hero, you mentioned Hereditary, another film ostensibly about past trauma, right? Yep. <laughs> I'm sorry. I mean, there, I was, there's, I there's was a way to do it and a way not to do it. it. And yeah, no, no fucking kidding. And and there's and there's one movie that gets that gets Bafo reviews and one that gets middling reviews. And there's one that I own and one that I wouldn't buy with your money. So. <laughs> well, this movie says. Easily ten times as much as Hereditary. Yeah. Hereditary has something to say, but it, it it says it in its first half hour, and then it just keeps saying it yeah. and saying it and saying it. And like, for for all the horror noobs, there's a there's a a mystery as to what's going on. Yeah. And for all the horror people, it's just like, oh, okay, they're, right, gonna, put a, the they're gonna put a demon in the. <laughs> In the kid, you know, so it's it's you got it, demons and, in your head, and it's all you know. This uh, it, it's all just grinding, depre- and it is. It's about it's about how it gets passed along in the family and trauma and 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 all that. But boy, you know, and Candyman, both Candyman are tense as hell. They're like they're they're. But it's like that it skirts that edge to where you're enjoying it because this is a good tense movie. I'm thinking about it. Yeah. I'm engaged in it. I care about the characters. The characters 
are flawed but act like humans and you identify with them and yeah it's just it's it's night and day you know and and i'm i'm always gonna say you know the pop culture movies like this always have more to say than the art house movies yeah. Yeah. Do anyway and, and you, you know they the do. thing too the thing and about they communicate this is that, it better too you're right the, the thing about this movie also that i don't know if this negatively impacted it with crit is that some senses the gore has been stepped up in this film not to say that the original is not gory because it is but there are certain scenes in this and look i i i like to think of myself as fairly hard-boiled when it comes to film um my brother is easily way more than that than me i will make no doubt about that i have gotten softer as i've gotten older but uh the scenes with anthony and his hand uh, are, uh, oh my yeah. god i can't watch that and it and i do wonder it, it's it was like the fly right it's, I, yes. anthony's anthony's art as an artist is confrontational right yes. and so now decost and peel are making the film confrontational to the audience they're saying oh you want to see a black guy suffer trauma let's watch it let's see it happen Let's see him pull the fucking nail off his hand, which oh that my god, I, I can't was like, look tribute at. to the fly. Uh, there, I also uh, was yeah. feeling little little uh, Nightmare on Elm Street two vibes too, of like being possessed and there's something inside of you that you something don't know. inside of you, and you're yeah. starting to sort of rot from the inside, and so but, that, but, again, it was, even, but even you know, and even and even to that end, the what I mean to me, one of the creepiest things in this has no gore in it whatsoever, which is when the bee is on the wrong side of the mirror. Yeah. yeah. You no, know? and it's like it, it's one of those things. Are like, wait, what the fuck? Yeah. You know, because you see and it that, on his that, face too. He's like, what the what? <laughs> yeah. You know, well, and uh, it's thing is as you know, as we, the infection. Go ahead, Jim. No, I'm just saying, as the infection. Notice he gets stung by the bee, right? And it's nothing major. And she's like, what happened? Oh, I got stung by oh, I, got, I got stung by a bee and whatever. And you can see that his infection spreads. As he starts descending into more, he's deeper and deeper in the madness. It's, it's kind of like right there for you to see. But the problem is, at some points, you start to forget about his hand. And then they bring, they're like, then it's, then, then it's not, if you, got, if you forget, he gets stung on the, the hand. Okay. And then it's like, oh, God, look at his hand. It's all fucked up. Like, and what's happening? He's getting deeper in to the point where he's picking at it at the dinner. He's pulling it like. And by the time it's his whole arm into his chest, there's very little Anthony left in there. Yeah, yeah and he's kind of like Goldblum in the fly where he's kind of getting off on it a little bit. He's painting like a madman and passionate. Well, because, and... because what's happening, and this is, I'm just saying it, what's happening is the, he, he candy, the, 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 the not, not that he's possessed by Candyman, but the, the concept and idea of Candyman, what this means beyond the scope of a, a actual robotai or you know Sherman or Anthony or anybody, right? The 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 power that that has that that Candyman has as a um, not just an urban legend but a part of this culture is infecting him, and it's coming out in his artwork. His artwork goes gets crazier and crazier and crazier as he becomes more and more and more involved in what's there and that the, it's coming out of him it is so brilliantly shot when he pulls his shirt up and it's just his entire chest and you're like of course it is yep. of course it is 
getting worse and worse because look at the paintings. The paintings are huge and it's all, he goes, I shouldn't have let it out. I shouldn't have let it out. He keeps saying that. And she's like, what are you talking about? I shouldn't have let it out. Yeah, he's letting out the, 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 he brought him back. If no one had mentioned Candyman, if he had never done this, he would have never known about this because it wasn't like his mother was ever telling him. Yeah. Right. And, and, and who, that just, and, and who's, uh, and who's the one that tells him about it? It's Burke, who has his own reason for doing it. Yeah, yeah. And, Did you guys and holy, notice and that? The, you want to talk now? That that's the one. That's that's the turn at this that I I I sort of saw coming, but I didn't see it to this extent. Okay, when that actor Burke has says, quite a Morgan Freeman voice too. Yeah, <laughs> but you know, but Burke says, you know, when he's got Brianna and Anthony. In the you know, and he and he's got him, and he's got him. He puts the coat on him, and he says, "We yeah. need Candyman." Right. And he cuts his hand off with the hacksaw. Ugh. And it's like that's again, it's another character exploiting another one, right? Mm-hmm. And exploiting them for what they need. He needs it because he wants to reclaim this to get justice, but he feels nothing about the fact that he's, you know, helping. You know he, that he's he's he knows that Anthony's going to get killed. He has no problem cutting off Anthony's hand and all this other shit. Well, I but mean that a, that whole I mean, bit. Just say it. It's just say it. it's black on black crime. I mean that's, that's it is. That, it, yeah. I mean it's and, and I, yeah. a lot of people don't want to talk about that and it's it, it's uh, it's awful. Well, but, he's I mean, he's the true believer. Right. He's been staying down there working in the laundromat. He's like he's like the leftover of the the the. The, the followers and the believers that they were talking yeah. about in the first movie, you know, he's waiting, he's waiting around until the new Candyman comes into his, into his laundromat so yeah. he can stop reading Weave World for a second. And... <laughs> yeah, I mean, yeah, to see him reading Sacrament, when is this going to have some monster in it or something? But anyway, the, uh, I lo- by the way, I love Sacrament, okay, but it would be hard to turn that into a movie. I'm just saying. Same but with Weave uh, World too, actually. Now, yeah. actually, with CGI, they could probably do Weave World now. I'm but... waiting for that adaptation of Thief of Always myself. Yeah, I mean the th- the thing with Sacrament is that it would be Sacrament is such a snapshot of a community at a certain time. Unless you made it a period piece, I think it would be hard to adapt now to a film. I think you know, people cause... love people seem to love period pieces now. Yeah. They seem to be they seem to be uh, uh and you know and like film like in this one, the flashback to Cabrini Greens in the seventies. Oh, they cute. went all out like yep. the clothes those kids were wearing. Cause I always like I'm always like sort of like checking out that stuff when they do seventies. Okay, let's see how how busy they got in sending out people to find the clothes and stuff. And boy, oh boy, did they, it like yeah. the every like talking about grittiness. There was one where somebody was doing their laundry and they just opened up the washing machine and you could see the dirt <laughs> in, in the, the top of the lo- washing machine that's in every washing machine in a apartment complex. You know, they all look gritty like that, but never in movies. And I was just like, yes. Yeah. Bring on the dirt. Bring on the dirt. I mean, that that that's the thing about about this is that I'm not gonna lie. I mean, I, I went in with with a certain level of expectation. Again, being a fan of the original, and it and it surpassed those expectations that I had. Ooh, yeah. And it's amazingly 
in it's it's amazingly in concert with the original while still being a completely yes. different story and taking it and turning it in a different direction. They're kind of like a yin and yang because they're they're the same and they're totally opposite. It, it's it they they are akin to each other and they I mean they're both as effective. I mean the original is always going to be more effective because it's the original. But this one, this one, like, you you know, it takes it in a new direction, sort of, but it's a very, it's very, it's very natural to, to what, with, you know, it's unexpected twists, but it's, it's, it's like, oh, of course, you know, yeah, this makes perfect sense. And it has the same mindset as a Clive Barker story, you know, it, it's not, you know, it's a not, horror just at home. Try, yeah, and, yeah, and it's, and it's not like, like Jordan Peele could have done this like a, you know, like a second rate, you know, get out or something where he's just producer and writing a little bit of it. And it, and it, and it sort of gets cheesy with the twists and stuff. But no, everything is. Ah, it's it, it it's I, I I enjoyed it as much as the both of them were super surprising to me, the like depth and and uh clout of the film of the filmmakers involved and how it came out uh like yeah it, it like the even the artistic dynamic of this movie seems similar to the artistic dynamic of you know from what i can glean from watching the movie um from it it, it yeah it's uh i i i looked it up on rotten tomatoes and it's got like an 85 percent rating which is which is pretty good yeah well the thing really is, the good, but... imdv has it at 5.9 out of 10 and there's a lot of negative reviews from critics and there's a lot of negative reviews from like users and weird the, the uh, problem is i think some of the i think the people reviewing it who didn't who remember you have to either every movie has to be the greatest thing or the worst thing there's no middle road anymore <sighs> right um, I think a lot of times, and again, I can't say always, but if someone did not like the original, they're probably not going to like this because you have to have seen the original, understand that it's an it's not just some slasher movie. And again, I, I mean, I know I kind of poke fun. I mean, I, I love Nightmare on Elm Street. So I love Friday the 13th. So I love the Halloween movies, Hellraiser, all that stuff, right? But like Candyman as the the original and might not forget forget farewell to the flesh and uh, uh day of the dead right um the, just the original one is such a different film than you got from uh you know a friday the 13th or even a halloween and and or even even a nightmare on elm street no matter how deep the movies might have been you know idea wise Candyman had so much more to it than that he's not but he's kind of Candyman's lumped in often with as being one of those, you know, he's one of the, you know, movie, like he's like Chucky, he's like, you know, whatever. It's like they just lump them together and they shouldn't because it is very different. But at the same time, what is happens in, in, in Candyman? He kills a lot of people with a hook. I mean, it kind of, you know, gets that whole slasher thing kind of going. What what you, you notice though too, excuse me, as you see here is the way the deaths are shot mm -hmm. I mean, it's not just shot like you know straight up here it is i mean to me one of my favorite is is the one in the when the girls are killed and the, the, the girls mm -hmm. yeah oh yeah mm -hmm. where, where she's hot where the the ones hiding in the stall 
and the mirror falls, the compact falls on the ground, and in the mirror you watch her get killed. And it's like, how cool is that? Because they can't see Handyman. They can't see him. <laughs> now he's looking in the mirror and he's slaughtering them. Yeah. Like, yeah. Well, it's, every new every and every new killing spree is a new. It's a story. When you see it happening in that in that scene, you're seeing you're seeing the scene play out, but you're also basically you're seeing the story of it as told by the girl who's in the stall. Yep. Who's yeah. you know that's the story that's going to she's going to go out and tell right. other people what happened in there from and it's and it's total you know it was like almost like the scene played out for her you know mm -hmm. and uh it, it, as as do all of them they all like play out as like you know here's how here's how the urban legend starts you know the it, it's just basically a more profound and well thought out freddy krueger you know in a lot of yeah. ways yeah, I could. Yeah, I would agree with that. It's yeah. it's and it's, I, and it's I, a lot deeper, sort of. Yeah, it's probably the deepest and, slasher franchise conceptually of yeah. all of them. Because that girl it's, in the stall is going to be the one in twenty years telling her friends the story right. at a party. You know, right. it's like. It, uh, I'd also like to point out that that may also be the the most. Uh, in that, what does that scene last? Maybe four, maybe five and a half minutes tops. Sure. Right. Okay. In that one scene, we get a very well encapsulated concept of the dangers of cultural appropriation, don't we? As you've <laughs> yes. got five white girls seeing Candyman into a mirror, and as as <laughs> as Chris likes to say, fuck around and find out, right? Fucking so around and finding out. Uh, well, the best is she goes back for her vape. Oh, I forgot my vape. I forgot hey, my vape. I, to be fair, to be fair, I would have done the same thing. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> No, but Chris, you would have been the first girl that left. You're like, fuck no, I seen this movie, dude. I'm getting out of here. <laughs> first off, well, I say that, but of course, that was dudes a don't talk. Girl, in the, right? That I left. was gonna say, dudes don't talk in the bathroom, so that's already. Like, I know, and I, and I always try to stack conversations. It just never really seems to go well. I like to watch, you know, stop peeing and you go, yeah, it's a regular hot dog cart in here. Nobody ever laughs. <laughs> hey guys, you ever heard of the Candyman game? <laughs> that's what guys are just waiting to do some guys in the bathroom i would just went in the bathroom this guy's playing a game in there it's a lot of fun you should go check it out yeah so, later later <laughs> we're gonna have sword fights you know yeah <laughs> whoa 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 so whoa. <laughs> uh, i just wanted to throw this out there um and and i mean it may be apropos of nothing or it may kind of be a little smacking here um who are you notice in the movie there are only two people who are not willing to do to try to summon Candyman, right? Yep. Uh, and if you think about it, like you're like, okay, well, you know, like, well, you know, but like, so, but what happens is you have only two people willing not to even try to summon them. They're because they're genre. They're they know enough about the quote unquote genre. Yep. Quote unquote, they're in to know better, right? And if you think about it, like that's something where. Um, Oh, ah, oh, crap. That's um, from Dust Till Dawn. When he says, does anyone know anything about vampires? Like, you know, not just, like, they start naming things. Like, Nothing for movies. Anyone read a book? Like a real book? Like a Time Life book? Right? <laughs> like, <laughs> like uh, from Dust Till Dawn is a fucking amazing movie. If you've never seen yes, it, what it the is. fuck is wrong with you? Uh, go watch I, it. I actually I was, had the experience of not knowing, just no, just like looking in the paper going, 
oh wait, Quentin Tarantino and Robert Rodriguez made a movie and we were all at work and everybody's like, we're all going to the movies. What should we see? And we're like, let's go check out Dust Till Dawn. And everybody's like, I haven't heard anything about it. And I'm like, trust me, it's Quentin Tarantino and Robert Rodriguez. It's got to be good, right? Oh, yeah. And uh, that was that was one of the greatest. It's so funny. We had a waitress there who was... Nothing, nothing bothers her horror movie or blood wise or violence wise, but she's scared shitless of vampires and she got sucker punched at the halfway mark of that movie. And it was one of the greatest audience reactions I saw when she realized, Uh, oh, fuck, I'm not in a psycho Tarantino movie anymore. I'm in a fucking vampire. (laughs) (laughs) So, like I say, so Troy and Brianna are the ones who were, you know, trying to stop everyone from doing it, whatever. I gotta admit this is that think about this now you have a gay couple who are uh interracial you know so it's you know it's an interracial gay couple i'm not saying that that is a direct homage to clive barker who was in a who is openly gay and in an he was in an interracial uh you know uh relationship for over 13 years but it seems like who gets away in the movie yeah, yeah. Neither, I thought the brother was going to die for sure, but then again, he's not going to say Candyman into the. No, but but the white him. guy would. The, yeah. the, right. Well, he he tries to. He's like. No. 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 All I, you know, I mean, because he says that, you know, ain't no dick worth the demonology habit. All I can think of, this is going back a long way, you know, Eddie Murphy, talking about right. the Amityville horror. Yeah, start up, was about a black family. It would have been like a two-minute movie. Yeah, you know that's where that's where that I, that I guarantee you that's where the title of Get Out might have started yeah. because that was the whole that whole get you know get the whole gag is when black people hear Get Out they get out you know they go okay too bad we can't stay. Which all we know about is called Don't right kind of uh, yeah. no 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 nope. it's called Nope Nope. <laughs> And the whole trailer is like, nope. And Looks I'm like, so good. <laughs> I have no idea what that movie's about, but I have a feeling I might know it a little bit about. And you know what, though? Knowing Jordan Peele and, and, and the way he, he you know, constructs his films and stuff like that, you think it's about one thing, but it's not about that just that one thing. It might be there. He knows but his audience is, is yeah. smart enough and have watched enough genre movies that they're going to go watch this. And I'm like, I'm watching it going, Ooh, this is like a cattle mute. This has got cattle mutilation vibes in it, and this and that and stuff, which you know, like my parents watching it would be just like, oh, that looks like a really weird movie. But I'm seeing all these little conspiracy theory things in it, and yeah, and I know he's just fucking with me. I know he he knows that I know like what those things are, and he's not giving away shit, diddly shit, and that. The trailer, the trailer. They played what during the Super Bowl, right? It gave away yeah the, well, the, the, yeah, the the shorter one did, yeah. Yeah, yeah. The short trailer for the other one. Gave nothing away. Dad said to me, he goes, new Jordan Peele movie, huh? I said, yep. Is there anything about it? I go, nope. Because <laughs> I, I, I don't know shit about it. Well, and that's the thing. Okay, so Fang, Fangoria kind of exists now in their new form, but they, they, they right? But Rue Morgue has talked nothing about it so far, right? So... It's not like it's even they're putting it out there like, oh, Star Trek. I mean, eventually they're going to talk about it and they'll have whatever kind of thing. You'll get more trailers. You get kind of whatever. But it's like we don't know this yet. And what mm-hmm. happened 
yeah. Get Out first came out, you were like, what, what is that? Jordan Peele? The comedian? The guy from Key and Peele? Like, you know, like this is that we're going to get. And what you got in Get Out is nothing like you thought. Like when you first heard, it's, it's like the first time you hear, like, Jim Carrey's doing a serious role. Like, it doesn't well, make when like, I heard Jordan Peele was doing like a, a horror movie, I was thinking it was going to be sort of like Shaun of the Dead. It would come out like something, you know, it was going to be something along that lines. And yeah. uh, that's that's what I mean. Edgar Wright, you know, for those who don't know, Edgar Wright is the director of Shaun of the Dead and uh, Hot Fuzz and uh, um, World's End. No, what's the last one? Uh, World's End, right? That's that's the yeah. Coronado trilogy, right? Right. Those movies are a horror, a zombie horror movie, a buddy cop movie, and a uh, alien invasion movie. And literally, all three of them are really good versions of an uh, a zombie movie, a buddy cop movie, and an alien invasion movie. But they're hysterically funny at and the same funny. time. Yeah. Right. That's what we could have got from a Jordan Peele. Like, okay, this is you know. A really good horror movie, but it's really funny. Yeah, I, Jordan, Jordan Peele's got really funny, funny things in the movie, but yeah. in his movies, but it's just it's dark. Funny though, yeah. yeah. The movies are like you're not sitting and get up going, "Wow, that was like we watched Shaun of the Dead the other day, literally on TV, cut up with all the swearing cut out, which means every other word's cut out, and it's still funny." But it's like you watch Get Out or or um, um, what's the other one? Us. No. There's nothing funny there. I'm, I'm not sitting there going, oh, that's 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 a, that's a rib tickler. That's not happening in those films. Like you know, <coughs> he's making serious. Oh movies. no, yeah, it's ironic. It's 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 fuck the police playing on the 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 yeah. Alexa when he tries to get it to call the police. You know, where you're just right. sort of a dry, dark chuckle. You know, yeah. Right. yeah. But if even in even like even in in this movie again, I know he's not the director, but like they, there's no. There's no like straight up comedy in in Candyman, but no. there are lines. Troy has the best lines though. I'm sorry, he the, even like I mean the, some of the things he says, like the way he because like, Moscato, it that's a that's a dessert that's wine. Like wine. He just, <laughs> yeah. it's, like it's well, funny, but it's not well, like you know a joke. I mean, it's not like they tend to be like you know like I, whatever. It, but it's funny the way he says it, and because well, it's, it's who he is, you know. My my coworker who I mentioned in the last show was, had skipped this Candyman because his brother had and these this is this is a black guy his brother's black too also that's amazing <laughs> amazingly enough uh, the, brother, you do, you do get that him, on your big jobs on occasion and they were big fans of the original Candyman his brother yeah. said ah it's the the new Candyman's kind of woke and the thing about it is I didn't think it like it's got woke ideas in it but it's it's there's this line between like social you know um not satire but commentary in a movie and when i think of woke when people are like this movie is like woke all over and and i think of it as social commentary that's been badly written you know heavy-handed or too shallow or too you know just too on the nose or just too ridiculously stupid to where it you know gets in the way and he just sort he he does it the way you know he i mean his gay characters it it never gets into like they're you know anything deeper than that's just their two characters and they just sort of seem to be interacting very naturally together and you know they're not 
stereotypical gay characters, but they're not like, you know, they're, they're, they're still obviously gay and there's, you know, it's, it's just sort of comfortably put into that story, you know, and, 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 and a lot of the social commentary in it is just going to be baked into the whole idea of Candyman anyway. So, so it's, it's that it's that difference between good writing and good filmmaking and bad writing and bad filmmaking and you know when you get something that's like you know based you know somebody was like hey what if we did Candyman and did it woke you're gonna end up with a piece of shit where this one was you know Jordan Peele's like okay what's the concept let me get to the core concept of Candyman and obviously he's probably a really big fan of the movie because he really knows you know that it the you know it's not a surface level nod to the original movie you know it's a full exploration of the ideas and an expansion of the ideas of the original which were pretty big to begin with so you know it's funny you said that there's no comedy i would have loved a deleted scene where the first guy on the scene in the school mr garvey I saw a I saw a alternate ending to it that yes, like, made no sense Blu-ray. at all. Okay, the alternate, I, I okay, have so not. The so. Okay, well I'm not. Okay, well the we won't talk about the alternate ending. I I can see where the alternate ending why it wasn't used, but um, what I think the idea was, Chris, I think it was trying to. You remember at the end of the la- at the end of the first one, with uh, Trevor saying Helen's name right. into the mirror. I'm, I'm guessing that was what it was kind of referring to, but that it was kind of obscure even then. It was you know? more like an unused coda to it because it didn't really change. It wasn't like a different ending. It was just no. sort of like a little little tag on yeah. thing. And it didn't and it didn't it wasn't like the end of Carrie where something happened. You know, it was just like a little. Yeah minute and a half mood piece it was very very strange but i was I like mean, if she, I don't if she at the end of that ending. if she at the end of that looks up and says anthony and then it yes the black then it's like okay that's yes. fucking ending yeah but, that's what uh, i that's where i thought it was going to something like something like that or yeah but as an aside i have a real trouble I, I love the movie but anytime i hear carrie i think of the song by europe <laughs> <laughs> nothing wrong with that Carrie. Yeah, there you go. I, I'm gonna make my coworker watch it by just telling him it's not woke, but it's Jordan Peele, and he'll go, "Oh," because he's a big Jordan Peele fan. So that'll I, I, the, the trick. You know, the other thing is, and and, and I, I don't, I know sometimes you know, uh, um, people feel that you know we we kind of either we dump on a movie or we love a movie, but like I mean, it, it just happens that it works out a lot of times. The move we kind of like the same kind of stuff, you know what I'm saying? Like, um, because that's been a criticism that's come our way that we, we pick movies that we all love or pick movies we all hate. We don't always know what's we're, yeah. what we're walking into, right? I knew what this movie was because I watched it before anyone else had actually seen it, so I knew what I was like, okay, I like this movie. I had no idea if Luke was gonna like it or not when we sat down to watch it. Uh, when, when, when we were together now that, and what happened at the end of the movie, Luke, I said, what'd you think? And you're like, that was good, but I think I need to see again. He literally said, I think I need to watch it again. Yeah. And yeah. it's so true because w- the first thing that happened, you guys, when, when 
you, we both you guys, the Chris and Chris, when you guys watch, you said, "Oh my God, there's so much here." That's what I'm saying. Like, the, you know, it just happens to be we all kind of can appreciate what's on the screen and understand movies and understand film and what they're going for, whatever. There's there's movies that some of us like and some of us don't like. It's okay to not like something, but by the same token, excuse me, if we like something and we're telling you this is what it is, and you know, you say, "Well, I hate it." Well, okay, how come? I hate it. Why? What, what's 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 not? I don't know. Like, it's hard when you can't verbalize what you don't like about something. You know what I'm saying? What we're trying to do is again, if 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 you again, if you're not a fan of the original, you're probably not going to be a fan of this one. It doesn't, you know, they kind of do, you know, go together. Yeah, they're, they're kind of cut from from the same cloth. Yeah. yeah. Um, but but I also could see somebody liking the original more than they like this one because the original even though it has a lot of layers to it is much more cut and dry as um, like it's more much i don't want to say like a 90s movie but it's much more kind of like it goes along more linearly this one you have to kind of pay attention more because there's because you you, you have to know the first movie remember it and then kind of know what's going on and fill it in and that's why this movie <laughs> takes on um like a high, I don't know. Like takes that has more to it that to digest the second and third time. Yeah. Not to saying that watch Candyman a second time you get what you get a ton out. Because once you once you get past the stuff that's going to happen in Candyman, like the doctor getting torn in half and like all the like the kills and stuff, you can start appreciating the story more. But I think this this film was playing off. Go okay, remember that first one? Great. Well, we're going to build off that now. Like this. This world is now, it's now 2019, which is, I thought was really funny because it was filmed in 2020, came out in 2021, but takes place in 2019. Uh, just a little weird. Uh, I just That's okay. Know, no, it, you got to have it set back a little bit because it's a story and the story is getting, the story oh. always happened in the past. I that, but I'm saying it, but it just was it so funny. Makes it, it, yeah. It also makes it, it pre-COVID, which is interesting too. Yes. Yes. That's what my thought was. Like, it was the whole point of this has to be pre-COVID. There's That's not right. One... We want Candyman and not Candy Mask. Well, no, <laughs> but there's not one in the movie because that changes the film, right? Yeah. Because people can't, people can't be together, right? If you're not it's gathering right. for something. Right. The yeah. kids aren't in the school. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Like, does this well, Candyman I mean, thing, like, could run, we do it I mean, over, like, Google Classroom? They could have made a theme of infection and, you know, passing out an, 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 you know, an infection, but yeah. god damn, I'm glad they didn't. Yeah. <laughs> oh, it's just like, yeah. it's just like the like, whole time. If we time, do this, like, on a Zoom call, does that work? <laughs> it's just like whenever America's in a war, nobody, no matter how good that movie is, nobody wants to see movies about it until after the war is done. Then, then they'll watch movies on it. You can make the most... Oscar Beatty yeah, you know, I was story say, about Afghanistan. It, well, right. it only worked for the Hurt Locker, I think. But I was like, going to say, except for the Hurt Locker, there was a lot of post-Second uh, Gulf War movies that really wanted that Oscar that all sucked. That, that so. kind of sucked or just nobody went to see them. Even the, like, I remember the first one was that, like that, that, third season that Three about Kings Black movie with too. Marky Mark. That was like the critics gave it rave reviews, and then everybody was just like, "Yeah, I don't, I don't want to, I don't want to watch that." <laughs> a, yeah, what's with Mark Wahlberg? It's, like, it's a Transformer, bro. Check it out. Yeah. <laughs> but, but the other thing, I got too, Optimus Prime in my garage here, bro. <laughs> <laughs> so he was out. 
Uh, the problem is, is that you, when you make a movie about a war, it should be a, a good movie. The Hurt Locker was a very good movie, which yeah. is part of the thing. Is the other movies just didn't match up? The well, you know, not every World War II movie is a great film. Not every whatever, but the thing is, um, they, they they you know, because there are a whole bunch of like. There's a whole slew of uh, war movies that are just kind of not up to par, but we don't hear about them anymore because they're all, you know, 50, 60 years old. And you just don't hear about them anymore. Sick right. that, 70 years old. You right. don't hear about it anymore. But, like, you know, you hear about, like, um, the Battle of the Bulge or the Big Red One or the whatever it might kind of thing. Like, you always hear the- about the good, good stuff. It's like pop music. It's like I saw so- somebody posted up a top you know it wasn't it was like the the billboard top 100 for you know somewhere in the early to mid 70s when there was a lot of good you know good bands around and stuff and i was looking at the top 100 and there were like a couple led zeppelin songs a couple beatles songs i didn't know who the fuck any of the other people (laughs) any of those other songs were and i'm like oh my god there was so much stuff that was popular for a short amount of time and then went, but was probably just garbage and just went well, that's, I, right I off into blog. obscurity and we don't remember yeah. it anymore. There was a blog I found once where the guy was looking at the top 10 highest grossing movies for a year. Yeah. And looking at these movies that made a lot of money that no, like nobody remembers. Nobody remembers or cares about anymore because they right. were just of that time and like were really garbage but people went to see them for some reason and stuff and yeah it and that's why and that's why everybody in their current time are just like er, er, man it's just all garbage nowadays and it's just like no you know you know if you if you if you condense it down to the stuff that's really good odds are that you know there's almost even if you're just like sort of homebound you don't have time to like consume it all you know yeah yeah I, well, I know, mean, I'm running into that yeah. now. There's so many TV shows that everybody's telling me I have to watch that they're and they're talking about them at work. That Ozarks show, somebody's telling me yeah. I gotta watch Ozark, and sounds really good. It sounds like it would be yummy for my tummy, and it's Ozarks. That's the one with the guy, and he's out hunting for some food, and out from the ground came a bubble and crude. Bubble that's and the crude. One, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. That that's that that's a good show. I've seen a few episodes of that. They they yeah, go to color halfway through, which Black is interesting gold. too. Yeah, Texas the tea. Texas tea. <laughs> <laughs> you know the stuff. Yeah. <laughs> How fucking awesome would that would be? Somebody's watching Ozarks, like this, just Beverly Hillbillies. They throw the remote down, walk out. <laughs> Somebody does a dark, serious, super realistic <laughs> version of Beverly Hillbillies where they're all really missing teeth and stuff. And oh god, <laughs> I got the money now. <laughs> What are you going to okay. do for it, son? So, um, <laughs> okay, so you ready? Here we go, Chris. All right, so I pulled up just 1970, right? 1975, top grossing movie, 1975, super easy one. It's Jaws, right? Wait, one is it Jaws? Movie. Yeah, it's Jaws. Is but it um, Jaws? Yes. It's, it's it, it right? Is Jaws. Yeah. So, and then the so one that's, was, that's the point of the, that is the point where the blockbuster became king. That That is like right. a turning point right there yeah. i picked 75 right and then number two was one flew over the cuckoo's nest now the thing is jaws movie of all time more than, more than doubled one flew over the cuckoo's nest and what it took in in the gross right okay yeah. so right. the number three movie of the year 
at less than half, less than half of what One Blue of the Cuckoo's Nest pulled in was shampoo. Does anyone even remember that that came out? I mean, I'm Warren sure somebody... But I, no, yeah. you, and, and there are there are some great movies on this list, but it's like I remember it being a big deal when it came out. But it sure people aren't talking about Shampoo, the classic movie. But... Right. What about Shamu? Classic. <laughs> what about Shamu and his partner Fat Two? Right. Yeah. Yeah. Oh my God. So I'm looking here. Dog Day Afternoon, Return of the Pink Panther, Three Days of the Condor, Funny Lady, The Other Side of the Mountain, and Tom Tommy. And the Apple Dumpling Gang, right? Hey, that, there you go. Don Knotts. That, that rounds out the top ten. What I'm saying is Jaws. The what that is the turning point for blockbusters. And we think about it, blockbuster movies, even if even if they are uh, like the Marvel kind of stuff where they gross an insane amount of money, but there's a next one coming, next one coming, right? There are so many movies that you just forget that made a lot of money. Right. And I mean, this is 1975 money, you know, yeah. 260 million dollars in 1975. That's a money. Money. That's that was mind blowing. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, I, it's funny that you said Apple Double Gay. I just watched the first 20 minutes of uh, the shakiest gun in the West the other day. I just saw it on YouTube and I was like, oh, my God, I used to watch this. I used to play it on PBS for some reason all the time during fundraising season. You know, you know, the you know, the one I always fall back to. Of those, and Jay knows where I'm going with this. Hot lead and cold feet. Hot oh lead and cold feet. Oh my God! All I remember about the shakiest gun in the West is it has the best, the best awkward, politically incorrect, terrible, like scene of dentistry in a movie uh, on the side of W. C. Fields, <laughs> yeah. the dentist of just yeah. him, him having to. Re- he's taken his dental exam and he's got a like wrestle this woman who won't open her mouth and she's like wrapping her legs around him while he's like punching <laughs> knocking her out and stuff it's fucking hilarious it's just don knots doing like intense physical Jesus. comedy with this this w- brutish woman <laughs> it's forget how amazing damn funny don knots was um, yeah okay now jay you said jaws earned 250 million in 1975 <laughs> 260, yeah. 260. Okay. Well, let me got to be close to a billion. 260 million dollars, 1975 money is 1.343 billion dollars in 2020. That's a lot. That's a lot of money. Just to give people a perspective here, because I mean, so Jaws, 75, 260 million. 1976, number one grossing movie in the world, Rocky. 117 uh, million 235 whatever right number two that year I know some of you were thinking it's got to be Kong 76 the movie that literally has dominated the entire fucking year of of uh, bots bugs and babes no it's the movie to fly if you had listened to the goddamn episode do 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 to fly it's an IMAX film IMAX does anyone even know what that fucking movie is Nope. I, oh, for, for those of you who are worried about me not swearing, I just swore a bunch there. You're good, right? Wait, a an IMAX movie in 76? 1976, opened January 1st, 1976, to fly. It it had it grossed over $86 million. Um, they sold over 40,000 tickets to it. Uh, and then number three was A Star is Born, the original, not the new one, which should have had the better ending that I came up with. 
Oh, no, this, that, that one's a, that one's a remake too. That's the that's the first remake, and then the new one is the. No, no, what are you saying? Not the you know, remake. Has that, that remake, not not the latest remake, is what he's right, saying. Right. Yes. Not the latest remake, Lady Gaga. It, it was the Barbara Streisand remake. I I love my my ending's way better. Kelly even agreed, and she she liked the movie. King Kong comes in fourth at fifty two million and change, uh, and then. Uh, so, yeah, but, but King Kong it. made most of its money in '77, though, didn't it? Because it came out in December, right? December of '76. Yeah. Well, I don't know yeah. if this is the whole. Hang on a second. No, but I'm saying Kong Kong '76 earned a lot of its money in 1977. Is all I'm saying. So that's it's one of those odd things when you get a movie at the end of the year, right? And it's like, uh, yeah, because I, I don't know. Was 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 uh, was uh, I don't know. Can we say his name on a shot? Oh yeah, oh, or is or are Demonzo's lawyer is going to hit me with a, a C and D? Okay, so De, De Laurentiis, you know, he he, I don't know if he put it out in December. He's like, I'm going to win all these Academy Awards. Hey, you yeah. know, I'm I'm Italian, so I can talk like <laughs> that. It's okay, guys. Hey. Uh, but you know, so, total total take was only ninety. So the fifty whatever was a domestic, and then uh, it, with the international coming out, is the total was only ninety. Mm. It didn't even hit a hundred okay. million dollars total. So whatever, I mean, it's fine, you know, kind of thing. I know everyone, whatever. I mean, that's the movie everyone wants to talk about. Like literally talked about some good movies last year for that. The one well, you know, about. the thing is, is that here, here's the thing. And again, people, gonna, people are going to say, are going to, are going to, you know, call me out or whatever. And I've, again, I've been called out for worse. Th- I've been called out for worse things and better things by, by, by all sorts of folks and listeners and readers of my blogs and other things over the years, people on the street. Um, if you got a differing opinion, that's okay. I actually, I love differing opinions. Um, I, I love asking someone why. If they like a movie or a record or a book or a comic that I don't like, I want to ask them why. If they don't like one of those things that I like, I want to ask them why. I want you to be able to articulate that. So if you don't like this, or you like Kong 76, or you like the Doodletown Pipers, or whatever... If you got, you can tell me why. Okay, fine. I'd like to have that discussion. Did not liking something. Well, I don't like that. You know, some stupid neckbeard Melvin shit. You know, no, I'm not gonna deal with that. No, I'm sorry. You can choke oh on that slappy and you well, can I take mean, it. With sun, you can cram it with fucking walnuts. I mean, some like people, I guess, are less articulate than others. I mean, it's a valid. Just I didn't like it is valid enough. But not you know, if that's, me, if that's nope, your if that's not... your input, then you're just weighing in. You're not really like giving <laughs> you're not adding to the conversation. Okay. You know, I don't, I don't, I don't mean to quote John McClane, but if you're not part of the fucking pro- uh, solution, you're part of the fucking <laughs> problem, right? So. Uh, okay, so I uh, just want to throw out there for those of you who are thinking that I'm not on Twitter, gonna... hashtag neckbeard Melvin. Just yeah, um, because this is a two true freaks podcast, and I do want to make sure we hit all our bases. Uh, in 77, of course, A New Hope, 195728000 for number one, followed by Close Encounters of, a third, of the Third Kind, 166 billion. Saturday Night Fever, 137 million. Smokey and the Bandit, 126 million. So you God, have good movies down that, the road here, man. I, well, number five is The Goodbye Girl, which might be the forgettable of the four movies. Uh, the four before it are pretty hard to forget. Isn't uh, that like a Neil Simon? play or something like that or it's a comedy yeah it's yeah. um uh i'm trying to think who's in that 
It's, uh, one those, it's what was one of those 70s middle-aged actor romance, actor and actress romance movies. Yeah, well, the whole thing is, though, just to, want to make sure we mention it, because, uh, you know, so anyway, the whole point of what we're talking about is that there are movies made that you kind of, you know, kind of forget about, and even though there's movies that are kind of stick around with you, and I am going to be very honest with you, uh, we watched, uh, well, we watched some of the Academy Awards, you know, this past year and whatever. And uh, shockingly, Candyman was not up for an Academy Award. Um, but, uh, you know, uh, you know, how many horror movies? It would have been great ever... if Candyman hopped up there, slashed Chris Rock's throat and just turned around <laughs> and said, tell everyone. Tell everyone. Put my name in your mouth. Yeah. Oh, my God. Right there. Right there. Keep so, my what's... name in your fucking mouth. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, so what that I was would have been in the cat. Then I would, from that point on, I'm like, I'm back on board with the Academy Awards. <laughs> so, <laughs> like what happens most years, um, you know, there's a number of movies nominated that, uh, you know, I mean, I haven't seen all of them, and I'm sure somebody's seen them all, and they're like, oh, that movie's amazing. And I'm not saying there's anything wrong with the movies that made very little money but won awards. But, like we've seen in the past, certain films that are up for the Academy Award that I've seen have very little to say. They aren't looking to be, you know, they, they're, they're, they don't stay with you. Watch it, you're like, okay, it's over, it's done. Unlike, literally, this movie that had Jordan Peele writing, and I know Jordan Peele's now the darling, they gave him an award and all this stuff, whatever, but Nia DaCosta is like a she no one knows who she is this director she's she an put a movie in my book now oh i mean she's now has pretty much helped write her ticket to now be able to get the next film she's on now it's gonna be a nia da costa movie see the problem is a lot of people said oh Candyman's a jordan peele movie it was it's not a jordan peele movie he wrote it he's only he's well he's only, she's she he's only one of three names on the script too so you know she was one of the other names on the script so yes. she really has a lot it really has a team effort feel to it you know what i mean it seems like really everybody was just like working on it and working towards mm -hmm. making a good movie instead of putting their peepee -pee mark on it or whatever <laughs> That's what I'm saying but now when when Nia DaCosta's next movie whatever her next film is going it's to be it's a marvel movie is it a Marvel movie? Um, <laughs> well, if it's a Marvel movie, then she's making a bunch more money. She's making That's some money, and, and, and yeah, and it'll open doors to her being able to do, but, like, the hope for her doing another Candyman is, I mean, it'll probably be a good movie, but you're you're sort of, like, constrained as a Marvel director, you know, so. Well, to be honest, though, the, nowadays, being have, having a director come in and do a Marvel movie, doesn't pigeonhole them as much as it used to. Right. No, it, I think it would probably just open its doors more than anything else. So, well, yeah. Let's be honest. We all watched a movie called Monsters. Remember this? You, you, you definitely watched this yeah. before, guys, right? Right? He's doing, he's doing pretty good now, yeah. Director's pretty good. Just throwing it out there. Yeah, right, Luke? Yeah, yeah, no, he, he, seemed to, he seems to do okay for himself. Yeah, you know, you know, spitting jobs, yeah, stuff and whatever, you know, kind of thing. I'm just saying, you know, uh, but that's the idea was that, uh, yeah. like, you know, a little movie like that, which was really good and had to be very honest, for those of you who have never seen Monsters, not the TV show, you dumbass, 
Hey, but I like the TV show, too. Oh, so do I, but I'm not talking about a 90s TV show. I'm talking about, like, the Monsters is so much better than it has any right to be. Yep. Based on how much money was spent or whatever. It's so good. And what happened? People said, huh, this guy can make movies. Let's get him to make some other movies. And he's made a few other films. If you haven't, yeah. if you're not sure, go look them up. They're little well, pictures. You never heard the of thing, them. The thing about, and here's the thing. Here's the thing. This is completely divorced from anything about, you know, any of his, you know, like his talent or whatever. Gareth Edwards yeah. gave us one of the greatest names for a planet in Star Wars because of a, a situation that happened at a Starbucks. Okay. So one of the planets in Rogue One, those of you who remember, as covered on this very podcast. Okay. Yeah. One of the names of the planets in Rogue One is Scarif. 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 Yep. That comes from that Gareth Edwards says he was at a Starbucks and the woman says, okay, what's the name? And he says, it's Gareth. And then comes up and says, Scarif. <laughs> oh, God. Oh, God. <laughs> it's like that's going See, in the that's going in the screenplay <laughs> with him i've liked his movies after monsters but i think monsters is his best movie as a movie and i almost wish he hadn't gotten to the point of where now he's like known as somebody you give a huge budget to because i think he's a better mid to low budget director and and uh, i'd like to i'd like to see something more yeah. More like my, like his his chemistry worked really well with no money. <laughs> well, I tell you, <laughs> no you know, Jay, Jay and I talked no about that. No director's ever going to go along with that, but you yeah. know that's what I want artistically. When when we when when we covered Godzilla 2014 on Earth Destruction Directive, Jason and I talked about that. That this is yeah. a small budget movie masquerading as a big budget yeah. movie, <laughs> yeah. and why that pissed off so many people, but that there's a lot of people that you know kind of bought into that right because <laughs> i'm because I'm, I'm in a similar way it's like he he works so well on on monsters and that type of of smaller budgeted film that's interesting to see him with the budget but you know but we're 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 digressing here i mean bottom line Candyman 2021 if you liked the original you will you will want to see this movie i think yeah. is a safe bet if you didn't like the original this might be a hard sell if you've never seen the original, I would I agree with my brother. I would recommend watching the original, but you know what? There might be something to going in cold to this. I would almost love to hear the the thoughts of someone who's not seen 1992 watching this one. Well, and, you could and, watch and you could watch thoughts. this one and then go back and watch the original one and yes. it would almost be like researching the Candyman, you know? Cuz basically I, I, this is a world of urban legends. You basically in urban legends you come into the urban legend just when you're old enough to hear somebody tell the story. It just comes to you. So, like, you know, the, the story that they were telling in the 50s has been, you know, passed through many different people. So by the time you get it in 2019, it's a little different anyway and maybe a, not so coherent. But, like, there'd be a lot of things that would sort of be out of place out of place and not make sense in this but the basic storyline you could follow without seeing the, the original one but then going back and seeing the original one would be like digging up the dna of this one but then then again if you go and do if you watch the Candyman's out of order you're sort of being like the characters in Candyman and and discovering and investigating the cam candy man which 
in scientific terms is called fucking around. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, yeah, you might not want to do take that approach. I think you should go linear and and you know yeah. don't don't watch it with that don't have that TV facing any mirrors, man. I'm surprised yeah. I'm surprised Sammy Davis Jr. hasn't just caused a like you know worldwide slaughter. Oh my God! I told I, I told Maureen that I, I was like, hey, uh, you know how we watched uh, Candyman a couple of weeks ago? I'm like watching the new one, and then I before I even put it on, I started singing the song, not knowing, <laughs> not even realizing it was going to be. In the it movie. starts out with the yeah with the slowing down version of it. Yeah, uh, disturbing some- as hell. Some things write themselves. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Good stuff, man. Can't go wrong, folks. No. No, watch this one. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You want to go out on that? Visit our website at twotruefreaks.com. Two True Freaks is always spelled T-W-O-T-R-U-E-F-R-E-A-K-S. You can email Two True Freaks directly at twotruefreaks at gmail.com. Two True Freaks and all of its excellent affiliates are available on iTunes, and you can choose to subscribe to either the entire network if you wish, or pick whichever individual shows you want to follow. We have so many shows to choose from, there's just bound to be one that appeals to your particular fandom. Just search Two True Freaks with an exclamation mark at the end, space, and the number two. You can find Two True Freaks on Facebook. Just search for Two True Freaks. If you ever leave your house and you actually have friends, why don't you tell them about Two True Freaks? If you've enjoyed our show, please, won't you take a moment to rate us on iTunes? That helps others find the show, too. Thanks for listening. And join us every Monday for new episodes of Two True Freaks. We were finally invited aboard one of these spacecraft, which landed near Ann Arbor, Michigan on October the 24th of 1954. This is a drawing of the craft. As I was leaving the craft, the commander, Soltek, said, soon others of your people will be able to have an experience similar to this.